I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Roker Report podcast in association with the Sunderland Community Soup Kitchen. Gav back after Sunderland's one-all draw with Bristol City at the Stadium of Light. Unfortunately, yes, we didn't manage to hold on to the three points and the victory. We conceded a late penalty and that's why I maybe sound a little bit deflated. And joining me today once again to talk about this is Chris. Hi mate. Good evening, Gavin. Looking forward to getting into it. I was looking forward to a really jolly, upbeat pod. Like, <laughs> you know, at almost like, what, 10 to 5 and then yeah. went a bit wrong. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've just listened to Tony Mowbray there. He doesn't sound too deflated. I don't know whether that's just a bit of, um, you know, playing the media. Did a lot of bigging up of Bristol City. And to be fair, I thought Bristol City are probably the best team we've played since perhaps Burnley, I'm going to say, in terms of the way they played the football and... Just yeah, I was I was pretty impressed with them. Actually, I thought it was an even game. Point was probably a fair result, but to concede the two points in the way we did, it feels like a kick in the nads, doesn't it? It's it's you know, you you really you, you yeah. I felt like I was going to be sat here talking about a a good three points that we managed to maybe snatch, you know, and yeah, a draw. Was it was it fair? Do you think? I think I think it was. I think I think point was probably fair with the balance of the game, but. Uh... Again, it's just the way, as you said, it's just the way it happened. You know, let's say um, they got the penalty with half an hour to go and Clark smashed one in in the 93rd minute. We'd sound a lot more upbeat, even if the rest of the game was exactly the same. It's just the psychology of the whole thing and almost the lift a last-minute goal gives you, especially when it gets you a point or three points or whatever. Mm. So Bristol City, even though we both share the spoils, Bristol City will feel much better about uh, about the game than we will, even though, you know, when we're saying that they deserved a point, that... Actually, I think on the balance of the play, they actually had the better chances. Yeah, probably. I mean, there was that really good one, wasn't there, early in the game from where Patterson made a, a fantastic save. Um, I know we forced saves out there, keeper and stuff, and we had chances to kill the game off. But yeah, I would. I, you could you could argue, couldn't you? I mean, it's looking at the stats here now. They had nine shots, two on target. We had eleven shots, three on target. We had fifty-five percent of the possession. We made more passes, which you'd expect being the home team. To be fair, yeah. I actually think you know it, it. It was a really even game. It just we've shaded even games before, and I thought we were going to do it again here. And it's the way we lost. I say way we lost. Where we <laughs> lost the points. That is the killer blow, really, because it was an avoidable error, you know. And and we'll come on to that. We'll come on to that. But let's start a bit more positive. So the team that you picked. I mean, there was a few surprises there, maybe, because 
you look at the game in midweek, Luke O'Neill was probably man the match at QPR. He didn't get a start, you know, so th- there was a couple of changes, wasn't there? It was clear that um, the QPR game was, they'd had a conversation and it seemed like it was just a one-off. It was just, let's, let's take these players out for one game, give them a Saturday till Saturday rest. Mm-hmm even though some of them got on and got involved. But it wasn't like in 90 minutes, you know, where they were involved from the off. So, yeah, so it seemed like that was the deal that Mowbray had this plan of just pulling these sort of players out. Because I think we said last week that it looked like Ahmad needed a rest. It looked like certain things weren't coming off for him and he looked looked a little bit frustrated. And, and yeah, it looked like all these players were, were ready to just come back in and he just wanted to kind of shake things up in, in midweek. But I still think... You know, looking at Ahmad's performance, and we're talking about the team selection in hindsight, no problems with bringing those players back in. But it did look like certain, you know, the, the likes of Ahmad, he was he tried a lot and, you know, some things nearly came off and some things were very close. But there was a couple of clues, like when, when Ahmad almost went through and Clark was on the other side for a switch, Ahmad didn't look like his old self where he was sharp and kind of was able to take that one touch and switch the ball to Clark at, at, at the right moment. There was another time when he was almost clean through and I don't know whether the ball took a bobble or he didn't quite have control of it. But there's just these this sign of, you know, has Ahmad played a lot of games and did he need a couple of games? Did he need a bit longer just coming on from the bench and then he's kind of fresher for the running? But I mean, it, it's all that's all in hindsight. Before the game, I had, I had no issues with uh, any of the team selection. No, I think I just sort of accepted with the amount of games we've already played and the games we've got coming up, we have to make changes. He'd... You know, you, you can't expect to pick what he perceives as his strongest team. And to be honest, looking at the, the team he picked, I would imagine this isn't far off it, if it isn't already his strongest team. But you, you can't look at that 11 and then go Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, and expect them all to be able to play at the peak of their powers. They just can't. I know it's a bit different for defenders because maybe they're not exerting themselves as much as some of the forward players. But we've got a lot of lads there who... It's not It's not just about the, the physical side of things the mental side of things too where you've got you have to sometimes give them that break and all I was thinking about this after the QPR game you know although he he did talk about resting players and stuff you know the ones he rested still came on so it's not really a rest (laughs) is it it's not I know it's not having to play 90 minutes of football but a lot of these lads don't play 90 minutes of football anyways a lot of them play 70 minutes 60 minutes and then he brings them off so you know, yeah. it's have they really been rested? I, I, it's, I know it's <laughs> yeah. tough because you you've got to get your best players on the pitch at some point. But I don't know. I wasn't. Although I think Mishu had a really good game, and I understood why he came off. I, I don't think I would have. I would have took 0-9 out to be honest. Mm. I can see the logic. I know. I know what he's probably thinking. He's probably thinking this is the game when you're at home on the big pitch. Get your players on who can move the ball. I, I totally yeah. get that. And to be honest, you know, you look at the team that Bristol City picked, they picked a team to try and counter that. They didn't play with any strikers. I think they dropped uh, Wyman and, um, I forget the name of the Wells. other lad who came on. Wells. Wells and there was there was another forward as well uh, who also came on. Um, Cornick. Cornick, yeah. yeah so, you know, they, they left their strikers on the bench. They came to make, knowing that they were probably going to be running around a lot. So it makes sense that Misha played. And like I say, I thought he played really well. Um, Dan Neal coming back in made sense because he's, you know, he's, he's one of our big players. But, I don't know. It's all right saying it in hindsight. If I'd been sat here and we would won 1-0 and we hadn't conceded that penalty, <laughs> maybe I wouldn't be highlighting these things. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I haven't necessarily got a problem with the team selection at all. I just have a problem with writing it down to we're resting players if we're not actually resting them. 
they're still coming on. They're not getting any time out of the team. I know what you mean, and I think that there's got to be an element of that coming away and expecting. You know, when you go away from home, and and to be fair, in periods of the QPR game, actually, especially early on, we were under the caution. We had to kind of ride it out a bit, and the likes of O'Nine. You know those players who came in helped us get through that period where where QPR put us under pressure, and and like you said, I think at home if you're expected to come out and you're expected to play, you're going to put Mishu back in. You're going to put Roberts, Ahmad, Clark. That's going to be your three behind behind the striker. But Bristol City came and and Bristol City fought and they battled. I thought at times it was a real. They made it a bit of a kind of slog in midfield where they were they tried to put step onto us on the ball. They, they put us under pressure, but. There were some great tackles going in. I mean, it wasn't all football. Mm-hmm. I think I was going to say, I mean, well, one of the things I was going to say regardless of the result, but especially when I was going to say when I thought we were going to get the three points, was that all the players really dug in. I thought Bristol yeah. City were really tough side physically and we had to stand up to them. Mishu and Neil in midfield, I mean, they took some hits. They actually gave it out as well. Mishu, with, with that kind of double tackle where he took a couple of players out, I thought was brilliant and it's great to yeah. see Mishu doing that, but it was a slog as well. It wasn't just all kind of just playing the football yeah no and I think the forwards all got stuck in as well um, well maybe not so much Clark but I think Ahmad mm. and Roberts in particular they they were grafting and um, it was uh, as always Danny Bart just brilliant in the air I, I, I can't remember a player as good as him in the air in a sun and shirt for a long time just wins everything He's so good. Maybe Ballard. <laughs> well, but see, see, see well the, the, I mean there can't be much between them what yeah. I like about Ballard more so than than Bart. Bart understands his limitations and he won't do this. But Ballard, he, if there's a ball to be won, he makes sure he wins it. He attacks it. If he's got to barge through three players to win a header, he'll do it. And, I mean, it, it, it's a really, really outstanding trait of his. Like, very old school defender, I would say. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's probably not a lot between them when it comes to how good they are yeah. in the air. I mean, yeah, just sort of a... A really gritty performance. We had to, yeah. I, I wouldn't. I, Tony Mowbray talked about it after the game and again, like I say, and um, talked about how Bristol probably came and expected to, you know, be doing a lot of running and a lot of chasing after the ball and stuff. But I, I think that was only part of the game. I don't think this was us at our best. I think you're right to highlight maybe Ahmad and a couple of others. Like you know, when we there were times when the football was lovely and the flicks were nice, and you know there was Roberts was nutmegging people. I thought Roberts had a great game. Just I think some of the interplay didn't quite work at times. Probably being a little bit picky, but I'm on about you know our standard has been so high recently in that regard that this was a little bit of a step down from that, but not enough for us to be concerned or anything. I just think there's maybe some no. tired legs out there. There was, and I mean, I mean, look at look at the last four fixtures: Millwall, Redden, QPR, Bristol City. I mean, we've done fantastic in all of them, and they've all been tough physical games yeah, I mean, yeah. really tough mm-hmm. Millwall was really tough Redden did the dark arts QPR was I mean 3-0 I mean it didn't flatter us don't get us wrong but it didn't kind of give the full picture of the game uh, QPR really kind of tried to hit us hard um, and Br- mm-hmm. Bristol City that, that was a tough game as well but I mean just on that kind of we're talk- I, mentioned, I mentioned Ahmad I mentioned you know you've talked about Clark a little bit already and, and Roberts as well you know f- three or four nutmegs I think he was counting them but uh, he might be on. I don't know whether he's on bonuses for Megs or not. But but the, have you ever, I mean, can, can, can we just on that quickly? Have you ever seen a player do it as often <laughs> as he does? It's crazy, isn't it? No. It was that one that I mean, one where where he passed it to Gelhart and he really shouldn't have. He should have shot. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. it's like but, he makes it look easy. I, I, if anybody who's even played five aside with a mates knows how hard it is to nutmeg somebody, 
and he just makes he makes professional footballers look like mugs every week by doing it. Yeah. It's a proper skill, like. Patrick Roberts is a, is a footballing genius, and his touch was superb throughout the whole game, other than when Clark played that unbelievable ball to the back post. Oh, but anyway, I just want to just to come back to, to to those three again. I mean, like I said, Patrick Roberts a genius. All those Megs, t- I mean, as you said, making professional footballers look like complete like Sunday League players. And the the only problem I have with them is, and and this is again, it's kind of <laughs> it's kind of nitpicking at the same time as being fundamental. I mean, in the ninety minutes, we didn't create enough chances for their talent. No. No. And and that and and I don't know whether that's a consequence of Ross Stewart being out because that I mean that's that's a massive loss don't you know to any side, but the three of them playing behind somebody they're trying to, you know they're trying to provide to someone and and if they were used to what Ross Stewart did and now they're not, but you know Gellart he doesn't look kind of match fit in t- terms of that sharpness he's not played a lot of football he needs a run of games I think it's going to be four or five games until we see. Gillard really as a as a footballer, what you know, how when he's looking really sharp, because you can see he, he works his he works his arse off, but it's it's not that that I'm talking about. It's kind of that sharpness on the ball, his first touch, how he gets a shot off, all that sort of stuff, even yeah. the runs he makes. But for the, for the talent of Clark, Ahmad, and Roberts, and the things they do on the pitch, I just I for me, I just think there needs to be more end product. Yeah, yeah, and I I think I said this about Roberts the other week. I think if if he can add to what he already does with end product, he's a Premier League player every day of the week. Yeah. Problem is with Roberts is he he doesn't get enough chances in front of goal. Maybe doesn't create enough. Doesn't get his shots away enough. I think it's improving though. You can see it's improving. Um, but they, I'm, I'm thinking about that one again. That one where he passed it. He passed it behind Gelhart when he'd already done all the hard work. Hmm. And you're thinking just shoot, and he passes it. And I mean, if Gelhart gets the ball and he scores, nobody's complaining. But I think. I think top players in that moment, they shoot. They don't pass it. But with that one, Mishu was running behind him on his right foot, ready to pull the trigger. Oh, and yeah, Gellard yeah. took it off his toes. So yeah. I don't know who Roberts was actually aiming for when he when he Me, pulled the yeah. ball back. I mean, I, I, but yeah, like I say, it was, it was just... I think some of the interplay was good. It just wasn't quite at the level we've known recently. And it's understandable. We've played so much football recently. And these players, we're asking quite a lot of them. I think, you know, looking ahead to Tuesday, I think that's maybe why 0-9 didn't play. I think, you know, there's going to be changes regardless. He's trying to manage the team. Um, for this one, it was a case of get all the ball players on. I totally understand it. Like, you know, it is what it is. But like I said, the game didn't really flow the way I wanted it to. I felt, particularly first half, it was... We, I actually think they were the better team first half. And first 25, 30 minutes, we just weren't at it. Really, and yeah, it was. We did have our spells in the game, but it, that first half, when you're expecting us to maybe put a you know, put our foot down a bit and really drive it home and maybe try and get the early goal and try and dictate the tempo of the game, I don't think we did. I know Mowbray hinted that he, he felt we did, but I, I don't know, I don't think we did, and I don't know what that was down to. I mean, you, you could maybe put it down to a little bit of tiredness or something. I don't know, there's just it, it didn't flow in the normal way. And and we can't be at it all the time. I get that, you know, young team, young players. We're asking a lot of them. And and to be fair, when we do start slow, we seem to come into the game anyways. At some point, we did. So it wasn't a concern. Again, I'm just you know, we're just I'm just looking for reasons for why we maybe didn't take the advantage earlier. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, let, let's call a, a spade a spade. That that first half was poor, basically. It was a poor yeah. first half. I mean, you know, we we didn't press them enough. We weren't we weren't kind of, the tempo wasn't there. But we've said this a couple of times. With I, mean, I don't think we started the QPR game very well, to be honest. I mean, and I don't think the tempo was there then, but we, we just built it up gradually in the game. And the same happened against Bristol City. We started off slow and we ended up, you know, Mowbray had half words at half time and then we came out and the tempo was, was ha- well, after first five minutes of Bristol City, they attacked the uh, first five minutes. But after that, once we settled down, we got our tempo back. But looking at that first half, I mean, look, looking at the kind of the notes I've got in the first half, the best chance was that kind of half chance that Gellard had that uh, Clark put across to him. He was kind of in the in the six yard box. He either put it wide or straight in the keeper. I can't remember. I think he might have put it wide. But I mean that that was only a half chance. But that and this is what I'm talking about. Those those the talent of those three players, and that was the sum total that we created in those forty five minutes. And even though they did the megs and they took players on and they did the one twos, that if that's the sum, we need more from as a sum total of what we create that, than that in forty five minutes at home. I think that's maybe one of the frustrations I've had with Jack Clark recently. And I've talked about this, you know, he can play poorly when, but then he comes up with what he did, you know, that goal was outstanding. And in the, so our preceding that, I thought he was really, really poor, actually. I don't think anything he tried came off, you know, he kept doing the same thing, which was what got him the goal in the end. I mean, he, you could say that, you know, eventually it paid off the persistence, but he was doing driving from the left inside when the fullback was tracking him fairly well and he wasn't it just wasn't coming off for him or, you know, when the easy pass was on, he maybe wasn't playing it. And to be honest, even after he scored, he kept doing it again. So it, it, I think it's just something we might have to accept with Clark is that he's gonna he's gonna have games like that, but he's also you've gotta leave him on the pitch when you need a goal because He's got something in his locker that I don't think anybody else has. That thing I'm talking about with Patrick Roberts, where I think you you need an end product now. You're very good at all the fancy stuff, but you need an end product now. Clark's the other end of the scale. You know, his all-round game isn't particularly great, but his finishing is outstanding. And defenders keep giving him the opportunity to to open his body up. And I mean, I saw a replay of the goal back, and, and the fullback shows him onto his right foot, which I was surprised at, because that's all Clark really has is his right foot. <laughs> shows him onto his right foot and he's made to pay for it you know but he, he, his, his performance in general I thought I thought he was actually quite poor I thought he's to be honest though his off the ball stuff was maybe what rankled with us a little bit you know just I don't know if he's I don't know if he's as he goes in as wholehearted as some of the other lads but maybe I'm just picking I'm not I mean you know again he's played a lot of football I, I think you know he he's must have started nearly every game this season. So if he's feeling a little bit tired, then I wouldn't be surprprised either really. Yeah. Um, but yeah, is it is a is an attack you you're totally right. I don't think it's and you wouldn't expect this yet, by the way, but I don't think it's gelling yet with Gelhart because he's only no. played a few games. I don't think he really suits playing as a lone striker. Um, I don't think the rest of the lads know his runs yet. I don't think to be honest, I don't think he knows what he should be doing with the other players yet. I'm sort of seeing them come deep and doing very well off the ball when we haven't got the ball and chasing people down, like, fantastic. When we have got the ball, is he making those runs off the shoulder of the last man? Not really. Not really. He wants it into feet with his back to goal, which is quite strange for a small player. He's got pace and stuff. You'd think, get on the get on the shoulder of the last man, get over the, get the balls over the top like we do for our Stewart. But it, I think, again, it would probably be unfair to expect that to mesh right now because these lads have played, what, two or three games with him? And he's he's not started a lot of football. 
So, yeah, um, yeah we're, we're still learning. Like you said, with Jack Clark, that performance by Jack Clark basically summed up the whole conversation that has been going on for a few the last few weeks and will go on for as long as these players play for Sunderland. Because it's for me, it's a similar conversation with Jack Clark as it is with Ahmad, as it is with Patrick Roberts. Like, they, they're going to try so many things and they're such good players that, you know, let's say within games, and I'm not going to, you know, we'll have to go at the stats, to, but let's say 70% of what they do isn't going to come off or might not come off. But what you're waiting for is that 30% where they whip a ball in and hope someone's onto it or they, they you know, they do something and it ends up in a goal. But what it's those players where they're going to frustrate you for, they're going to frustrate you for an hour and then suddenly he's going to cut inside and smash one in the top corner. Yeah. And but yeah. but and that but that's what that's how you've just got to accept that with these players to say that's what they are. They're not going to, if because if they if they did their thing, I mean, would for ninety minutes we'd win ten nil every week. So you've got to yeah. you've got, and they wouldn't be accept. playing the championship either. That's, Exa- that's exactly. That that that's why that's why they're playing with us. That's why the Sunderland players on the Gellard thing. And I mean, I talked earlier about his fitness, but the other thing to for Gellard that's going to be difficult. Is and I, th- I think even as we watch as fans, the likes of Clark, Ahmad, Roberts, is that they hold on to the ball longer than most attacking players, especially because they know they've got they can do the these defenders in 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 the championship. So they they, they take one on and they might cut back and take them on again, or, or they might kind of or I'm going to go on a little run here. I think it's going to be really hard for Gellard to understand when these players release the ball. And, and, yeah. and actually when they play the pass, because Gillard might be expecting it and going, oh, oh no, he's taking another one on. Oh, I'll make a different run now. Oh, he's cut back now. Okay. So Gillard's got to kind of work out what they do. And, you know, whether that happens on the training pitch or whether it just kind of clicks in games. Um, but but again, I think that might come with Gillard's sharpness and fitness. But he's got to get used to these players, especially Clark. He'll cut across the pitch, take two, three, four players on before he play a ball. And, you know, Gellard's got to get used to that. It's not a traditional winger taking his fullback on and getting the ball in quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so so Gellard's got, he, he's got to take a while to, to fit into this team. Yeah, and I th- he, he strikes me as the type of player who would probably fit a team that plays on the counter and maybe sits a little bit deeper and soaks the pressure up, which might mean we see better performances from him away from home because obviously he traditionally don't have as much of the ball away from home. Um, I think he just needs a goal, to be honest. I think he did everything in QPR apart from score, but he had a really good game. Didn't work this time around, and but it'll come, it'll come. I think we, he, I think Martin the other day did a really good job of summing up sort of Gelhart's position at the minute. It, you know, probably similar to Clark and Roberts last year when they came in, and that they came in with no real sort of momentum because they hadn't been playing football, and it takes time for that to happen. I guess for him, he gets the benefit of having. A lot of minutes on the pitch, so he will score at some point. We have no other forwards, yeah. and the lads behind him are doing a good job of taking the pressure off in terms of the goals and stuff. So, you know, it, it's not like we're sitting here waiting for him to, to score. We're not sitting here going, "Come on, where is it? Where is it?" I think he will get time and patience initially, at least. So, I'm not, again, it's not something that concerns us. Yeah. And just before we leave this first half behind, because uh, I was a poor first half, but like I said, the, the comparison, you know, our best chance was probably that half chance uh, Gillard had in front of goal, which he squared wide. But um, it just mentioned Patterson's save, because I mean, that that was that was what oh, yeah. an incredible touch onto the post. I mean, that was only 20 minutes into the game. I thought they scored there as well, even no, from the other end of the pitch. Well, it, looked like, it looked like it was in. 
Well, with the way it came off the post, it actually span as if it yeah. normally goes in, and it managed to kind of curl around the other post. <laughs> Um, yeah. But but to get a hand on that, I mean, unbelievable save, just enough to get it onto the post. But again, I mean, we're talking about getting a point, dis- being disappointed with getting a point out of the game. We could have easily gone behind with twenty minutes gone. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, just a word on Patterson's performance too. I think it, similar to QPR, I quite like how you know we some of our criticism of him recently has been he needs to command his area more, he needs to come out and claim balls, and I think he did a in midweek brilliant job of it. And again, here yeah, I thought you you can see something he's trying to work on. Did you notice that that one? I was I was thinking of you actually. What one of them where the ball went looped up in the end the box and he charged out, yeah, and punched it out. Punched he went, he went, yeah. he went with his knees. He went up. He went. I'm yeah, having that's that. What you and want? He, and he punched that's, that's all I want to see from him. I think I think it's just again. We keep I keep saying this, but it's true. He's a young player and he is still learning on the job. And you know. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that if we're noticing things he needs to improve on, that his coaches are working on it with him every day. And that is a big thing that he needs to improve on. But I think in the last two games, it's been noticeable. The shot stop, you've just mentioned the, the, the shot he saved. Brilliant. Like that's Patterson's forty. the, the shot stop, and it's the other stuff. Um, so, yeah. Uh, but yeah, second half, I think um, we improved after half time. I think, you know, first couple of minutes, Bristol City had the, the, the lion's share of the ball and... and um, I thought they they shaded it, but the the goal which we scored, we might as well skip straight to that because, like I say, the, the, it was much of a muchness the first fifteen minutes or so. It was a lovely bit of play actually from Gelhart, wasn't it? Um, I think he done a really good job of holding up the ball, played a pass which, from where I was sat in the ground, we thought it was just about to be cut out. It looked like there was maybe not quite enough on it, and in the end, it ended up being perfect. Um, and like I say, really strange defending from their right back. To show Montoui's right foot, considering that's pretty much all he's got, and yeah, it gives him the half a yard he needed just as he got inside the box, and the goalkeeper never stood a chance, did he? It was an unbelievable strike. I mean, we keep talking about how we could have a a goal of the season competition on our own, yeah, just just on goals that Sunderland have scored in the championship this year. And this was another one. It was an absolute perler. It's very similar uh, to maybe the one he scored against Fulham, and yeah, another really good goal. And like I said before. That's why you leave Clark on the pitch. The lad who sits in front of me, we, um, it must have been two minutes before he scored. We had this exact <laughs> conversation because there was a, an, a, in the southwest corner, and there's a fella a few rows back from us arguing with another fan who's in one of the boxes. They want to kick each other's heads in all about Jack <laughs> Clark because the bloke in the box and is standing screaming about Clark every time he lost the ball, and he did lose it quite a bit, screaming about him. And the fella uh, turned round and he's telling to shut his mouth, get behind him and all this. And anyways, it all kicked off. And then we got talking about it, me and the fella I sit next to, and I says, look, that's why you leave, you've, you've... I say, you've got to leave him on the pitch, even when he's playing like this, because he can do what he, he's done in the last few weeks, and that's just get shots away and score goals. And when there's no Ross Stewart on the pitch, you need players like that. And lo and behold, two minutes later, he gets half a yard and he sticks at top bins. And the thing is as well, when a player starts scoring goals like that regularly... That is confidence. He's going to keep trying that. He's going to keep trying it and it's going to happen and happen and happen. And like I say, I can sort of forgive his all-round performance when it's not great when he's doing that because we need goal scorers in our team and he's certainly one of those. Yeah. And the couple of things, I mean, you talked about confidence, but I mean, it takes it takes some kind of mind to, to go through that. What was it? Because it was about on the hour mark. So he's had an yeah. hour of just nothing going right. There was there was a pass there where he tried to switch, which he just completely skewed and it went out of play and he had his head in his hand. He was bashing his head against his hands at one point. And then 
to just then get the ball, pick the ball up, take one touch inside, smash it into the top corner. I mean, mm. that, that takes some guts to to say, and, and it's not quite going right and it's not my day, but give me the ball. Keep giving me the ball. You know, yeah. he, want, he, he wanted it. And you've, you've got to hand it because a lot of players in that, in that sort of crowd where there's maybe that, is the manager going to bring us off? Am I going to get hooked in a minute? You know, my, they say kind of shouts from the crowd, maybe saying, oh, he needs to come off. He picks the ball up. And you know what he did when he got the ball and he, everything he did? He made the whole thing look so easy. I mean, the, yeah. the goal looked like a simple goal. I mean, but it, but it was anything but. You know, he, cut, he made the defender look like an idiot by cutting side. And then, like I said, get a shot from the edge of the box like that to, to not give the keeper a chance right in the top corner. But again, it's this conversation is going to go on and on and on and on. People are going to get frustrated and people are going to ask, oh, you know, do they need to come out the team because nothing's working? But that's what you wait for. You wait for that moment where they make it look simple and yeah. we get a goal from it. Yeah. Uh, how do you feel we managed the game from that point then? That little period from sort of the, us scoring the goal and then obviously the, the penalty decision, the, the decision to bring off Mishu, the decision to bring off Gelhart, to maybe go a little bit more defensive with Luke 9 in there. I think Luke 9 played quite well, actually. Pritchard was busy, but I, I actually think, you know, Mishu had been arguably one of our best players to that point. So he, he probably count himself a little bit unlucky to come off, but you can sort of see what Mowbray was trying to do. He was trying to make us a little bit more compact and solid. But was that the right thing to do with only one goal? Well, I mean, in hindsight, you could you could maybe say no, but that looking at the actual game, you know, just purely because of the result and they got back into it. But, you know, it was only two minutes after we went ahead, two or three minutes after we went ahead where he made the change, you know, he made the first couple of changes. But then after that, the period after that, I mean, you look, you know, with about 15 minutes to go, 10 minutes to go, Roberts had that really good chance. The keeper made a really good save. Then he had that long range shot where the keeper made that really weird save with his right hand, which first looked like he'd come off his knee, but then he it turned out that the keeper had a good save. We also had that chance where Clark played the ball to the back post. And I just thought Roberts is going to take one touch and knock it in the corner. So actually, we almost had our best period between the substitutions and and kind of the end of the game, and we were keeping mm-hmm. the ball, and you know our confidence looked up, and you know Bristol City struggled to to get possession, but it it all boiled down to that one split second of lack of concentration in the end. Yeah, and uh, yeah, look, I mean, let, let's skip straight to that than the penalty decision. It was a penalty. Um, don't think there's any arguing with that. But in the build-up to it, Hume could maybe have um, a claim to say that he got fouled. But the problem is, is right, even in that situation, if you do think you got fouled or you did get fouled, you don't then put your hands on the opposition player. As soon as he touches him, the player's going to go down and the ref's going to give the penalty. Don't give the ref a decision to make. I was talking to, um, to Kelvin, Rotor Reports Kelvin, talking to him on the way out of the ground and... Um, he summed it up well, you know, he's, once you give the ref a decision to make, then he's going to make it, especially at that point in the game. You, you, just lunacy, really, yeah. to raise your hands. Let him have, let him go into the box. Someone's going to block it. Or, you know, he gets a shot where you've got the goalkeeper there. You, you're basically handing them the, the point on a plate when you do that to me. But I don't want to go in too hard on Hume because I think he's been excellent for us. I think he's been consistently brilliant for a long period. But I thought Mehmeti, who played on the wing for them, 
had his number and was brilliant. And I was actually glad when he got t- he got took off around seventy minutes when the, when they had that spate where they brought three strikers on. Um, he came off, and I was actually glad for Hume because I thought pretty much every time they went toe to toe, the Bristol City player came out on the better end of it. Um, but I think although you know, regardless of that, I think Hume actually did all right though. He still got stuck in and still done everything he's pretty good at. You know, getting stuck in, putting his foot on the ball, and advancing forward and stuff. Maybe didn't get forward as much as he normally does, but that was maybe the other side of things when you're on about young defenders and stuff. You know, you're gonna get rash challenges like that every so often, and it was it was soft, but you don't touch the play idea. <laughs> it doesn't raise his hands, and it's not a penalty. No, I mean, you're talking about giving the decision, the, the ref a decision, but to be honest, I think it was one of the easiest decisions that the ref will have to make when it comes to yeah, penalties. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't yeah. think there's there's any debate. I mean, we could talk all day about what went on before that, but look, yeah, the, if the referee didn't give whatever happened before that, so Hume, Hume's got to, he's got to kind of react to it. And he, he got caught on the wrong side, the, the player knocked it past him. But, you know, Hume, Hume's not slow. He was quick enough to kind of get back and at least at least make him know he was there so to put him off on his cross, which kind of half, that's half how it turned out in the end, that actually, yeah. you know, kind of Hume almost brought him down after he played the ball, but Hume, he was that desperate to get back and he made kind of, he put his arm across him, which I thought was going to be an initial foul. And then when he did get past him, he kind of almost, well, in a sense, he, he kind of half rugby tackled him basically and uh, <laughs> kind of did, didn't give the, the referee a chance, but and the, the ball ended up going straight to Patterson, which was even more annoying. Um, yeah. yeah, but look, I mean, Hume, Hume's been fantastic, and I thought it was just a really good battle between uh, between him and that winger. And I thought the both, I thought it was kind of 50 50. I thought they both got the better of each other certain times, and I thought it was just a good battle. And it'll be just like Dan Neal earlier in the season, just like you know, some of the other young players who've made mistakes earlier in the season. That's what they're in there for. They're in. They're going to learn, and they're going to come yeah. out. They're going to come out better players, and Hume will learn from that. You know that we're playing really well. His confidence is up, and then suddenly, what that split second, and the whole thing turns because you didn't have that concentration, and the the winger got by you. So yeah, it's it's a it's a learning curve, but I don't. We haven't got any complaints. No, actually, I, I'm maybe being a little bit harsh putting it down to age. You know, because Luke O'Nine had a brain fart not that long ago, which cost us mm. points. You know, even experienced players make mistakes. It's just something that happens in football. It just it it is a sickness when it happens in in the ninety third minute of injury time yeah, yeah. Of, of 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 a lot of time. It's it's one of those, isn't it? It's if that happens ten minutes before, you maybe you're not as disappointed. But it happened when it happened, and it was a real kick in the nuts. Yeah. But like I say, they 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 had the penalty. Natty Wells steps up to take it. Great, um, pen. great penalty. Yeah, yeah, absolutely brilliant penalty that Patterson couldn't have done much about. Um and they take the point home with them back to Bristol and their fans got to give them a word by the way I thought not often do you look up in the way end at the stadium like these days and see that many fans there and it's a long old way from Bristol so fair play to them they they at least got to go home with something in tow but I think Mowbray after the game I don't know if you heard him he he seemed pretty relaxed about it all and we've got to get over that quickly and I'm, I just hope it doesn't affect Hume too much. I don't think it will. I think he's got a he seems like a strong lad and a strong mentality and he's probably went in there and he's kicking himself for giving the penalty away, but I don't think he'll let it bother him for too long. Yeah, I I don't think there's much to get over though other than you know a last minute goal is always horrible. But apart yeah. from that, I mean in terms of a performance, I think 
the result is one thing and we we could have come away quite easy with those three points but it's not a bad thing for Tony Mowbray to kind of reflect on this and say well if we play as we can and, and kind of at times you know had that in product that we've talked about the game would have been out of sight and we wouldn't have it wouldn't have relied on getting through injury time and not making a mistake in injury time to, to get three points so I this isn't a disaster. It's not the end of the world. It's, you know, we got a point against a very good Bristol City side who played very well. And the fact yeah. that we're in a position to be disappointed is also a good thing. <laughs> so it, yeah. it just t- tells yeah. you where we are at the minute. That's why we're disappointed, because I think we just got used to the feeling of winning and, and that's just that churn of um, of of good results and scoring goals and all the rest of it. it as an all-round performance, it wasn't great, really. But that's because our standard's been so high recently. Yeah. That I feel that way, you know. A year ago, if I'd watched, if you showed us a tape of this game and said, "Look, this is how you're going to play in a year's time in the championship," it's still a night, night and day better than anything we've had in a long time. You know, some of the interplay was good; it just didn't all come off. A few tired legs there, but I think that the Rotherham game on Tuesday, he's got to make changes just because we've got another game Saturday dinner time, and then we've got another game after that, the weekend after that against Stoke, but. We have two games now in the space of the next seven days, and he's got to manage the minutes of the players. He's, you know, and and the Rotherham game isn't going to be like the Bristol City game. It's not going to be on a big pitch because Rotherham's pitch isn't big. It's not going to be a technical game because Rotherham are a big, physical, quick team, as we've seen over the last few years in League One. It's a totally different game. We're going to need to ask a totally different set of questions of the players because. They're going to have to go there and physically compete, and it's going to be taxing. It's going to be tough. So, mm. I think O'Neill will probably come back in. Could we maybe see Pierre Equa start a game? He, he seems to be trusting him quite a lot from the bench, but is he ready to start? I don't know. Michu certainly he he had a proper rest in midweek. He didn't even make the squad, and you could tell. I thought he was great. I thought he was great. Mm. Neil didn't get a proper rest midweek. You know, I, I just think that this may be the chance, and I'm not saying you can toss a game off because. I want us to win every game, but this is maybe a chance to rest people who actually do need it. Maybe bring in Sirkin for Elise, you know, a couple of little tweaks here and there. It, d- it depends what I mean, because I'm just looking at Rotherham, you know, Rotherham are obviously fighting for their lives down the bottom. It depends what Rotherham are going to be like. And, you know, are, do, are Rotherham one of those sides at the bottom where they're kind of down there, but they try and keep trying to play football? Or are they just a real kind of, you know, get the ball forward quick, tough in midfield, got the players in midfield and all this sort of stuff. So if Rotherham are going to give us the space to play, you know, we might well see Mishu and Dan Neal in there again, just to kind of, you know, play play our game and, and do that sort of thing. If it's more, mm-hmm. if, if he thinks it's going to be more of a physical game, then he'll get 0-9 in. Because, I mean, like I said, the next two sides were playing, played each other. Rotherham played Coventry um, at home and Coventry won 2-0. Uh, so which means Rotherham, are in the crap now. They're only two points above the drop because Huddersfield and, and Blackpool Blackpool beat Stoke as well. So th- it's getting really tight at the bottom. Rotherham are fighting for their lives. It's not going to be easy. You know, I, I don't think we can expect to, even though they're down there, to roll over these sides because they, they're going to put up a fight. Um, for it's, it's down to us to break them down. And I think if we get the first goal, we can make an easy shift of it. But it's mm-hmm. all about us, us kind of getting that goal and taking control of the game. So yeah, it, Again, I, I'm not I'm not completely clued up about Rotherham, but I, I suspect Tony Mowbray will be weighing it up like that in terms of ball players or get getting some more bite in there. Yeah, they they I'm just looking. They've scored two 
two goals in the league in the last eight games. So you've got to be going there and thinking you can win. Yeah, yeah. Get you know? an early goal. Get an early goal and it's done. Yeah, because they 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 aren't great in front of goal. I've now said that I've put the mockers on us, haven't I? Yeah, but I I think if you um if you if you're a a team who actually want to get promoted and want to finish in the playoffs, this is one you got to win. Don't care that it's Rotherham. I know the last time we played there, we got battered, but it's a different Sunderland now, and it's a different Rotherham. Totally different. You know, we have a lot of positive momentum. They've obviously got a lot of um of negative momentum because they're at the wrong end of the table. They lost a few players in the summer and stuff who who helped them get into the championship. So, to me, that's one we've got to win. But I do think we can afford to make changes like we did at QPR. I just think that there's a right time to change things up. This is the right time to do it. I think it's a game which will suit Luke O'Nine because we're going to need that physical presence. Um, I wouldn't be adverse to starting Equi. He has to start a game at some point. So why not against a physical team who are down the bottom end? It's a good test for him because he's a big lad. You know, He's he's dipped his toe in the last few weeks and came off the bench in pretty much every game since he came in. Let's see if he can maybe do it now in a league game alongside an experienced pro no and iron. And I think he's got enough. He's got goals in him too, as we've seen from his time um, in the in the under twenty ones. He likes to get on the ball and to get forward and and shoot and gets his gets his shots off from the edge of the box and stuff. So this might be a game for Equa, and you know, and and then that that gives us a couple of days to to get Dan Neal and. And some of the others maybe fitter for the for the Coventry game, which we're going to need them for. Well, that's a, that. Like you said, that's a tough game. Coventry have won their last two, and there's only a four point gap between them and us. I mean, they're down in eleventh, but there's only four points between us. I mean, they 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 take. Let's say we both win in midweek, and that that's a that's a big one at the weekend. Mm-hmm. That's going to be a tough game, but but you've got to win them all. There's no good. There's no good. Like you said, I mean, there's no good kind of focusing on Coventry, saying that's a tough game, and then taking the eye off the ball when we come to come to Rotherham and then we we slip up at Rotherham and then you know we we don't go into the Coventry game with with any momentum so I think uh, I know it's, yeah it's going to be cheesy but you know Mowbray is only going to be concentrating on the Rotherham game and seeing how the, they shape up and and I think a, a play, thing is for the running like players like Equa, Lehaji you know these players are on the bench they need minutes to be useful in the in the kind mm-hmm. of running to the to the end of the season so it, you know you've you made a good point that where do you get them the minutes? And if it's maybe not in a game against Rotherham who are struggling and can't score, then where is it? Yeah, so that that would be one definitely for me where we bring in one or two. Mm. It's a, a game we should win. Three more points would take us, you know, perhaps even further up the table. You know, let's let's just think positively. Let's stay on the ball. Let's not uh let's not think too hard about the fact we conceded a late penalty because I think Bristol City, one thing we haven't mentioned. They are unbeaten in eleven games now, so they're a good team. They're in a bit of a false position in the league, really. That you know, they are a lot better than the position suggests. We've seen it firsthand. They're as Mowbray pointed out, they're a young team. They're energetic. They work hard, and they brought some good championship strikers off the bench late in the game, which helped them get get the goal back. So they're a decent team, and we we can't feel too disappointed about the fact that we that we didn't beat them. Yeah, I know. I know we've talked about us a lot, obviously, as as we do. But I, I hope it comes across that we we have given Bristol City credit because yeah. I think you have you really have to give them credit with the way they set up um, against us. And like like I think well, I think you did at the start when you said the I think only Burnley have kind of looked as good as them and really kind of put us under the cosh as much as they have. So you, you've got to give them credit. And when you come up against a side like that, 
yes, it shouldn't have happened the way it happened. Ninety third minute, we should close it out. But overall, you know, you've you know, Bristol City probably deserved something. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, uh, let's probably just leave it there, Chris. Huh? Um, we, we'll be back. We'll be back in the aftermath of the Rotherham game with another pod. I'm sure we've got all the regular post and pre-match content for that game on rotreport.espionation.com. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Uh, we are pretty much everywhere. So make sure you follow us across all your social media platforms if you're that way inclined. And yes, we will catch you after the Rotherham game. Catch you later. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The secret to summer ready skin is here. Osea's number one best selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com.